0: employee experience is the new customer experience because your happy and engaged employees will provide the great experience for your customers they will create a more satisfied and the loyal customers and definitely this will lead to the growth of your brand and the company more engaged employees are willing to do or go beyond whatever they can do for the organizations. If as a learning and development professional, if you are contributing to their skill development, you are creating an impression in front of them that that you care about them and basically you are committed to them. Today in the Experience Business Podcast, I am Sameer Kumar Saha, your host, is going to have a discussion around how the L&D leaders can improve the employee experience joining with me our guest who is driven and result-oriented person in the learning and development and talent management with 18 plus years of experience, Anil Santapuri. Anil is currently working as Director Learning and Development in Global IT Services Enterprise CGI. In 2016, uh, Jombe actually recognized him as top 40 HR under 40. In 2012, he was recognized as global training and organization development professional under 40. In the past, he has been director global learning and development in Ultisource. And he also worked as senior manager in talent management in Western Union and senior manager learning and development in FCL. He is also an executive coach and takes a deep interest in the digital transformation and the new futuristic technologies like AI, blockchain, and IoT etc. So let's welcome him and enjoy this conversation. Customers don't buy your product or services, they only buy feelings and experiences. In a crowded market, you can differentiate and remain competitive only by making yourself an experienced business. But great experiences don't just happen. They require rethinking everything from business to marketing to sales to supply chain and operations and customer support. It requires true digital transformation. This is the Experience Business Podcast and here is your host Samir Kumar Sah. If you are a business leader and department head, join us in the conversation with other leaders and experts from various departments and domains who share stories case studies innovation strategies and expert opinions for making experience your business good morning anil and i welcome you in my show the experience business podcast uh, thank you thank you for inviting me i'm looking forward to having a, a you know an engaging conversation I was introducing to my listeners about your achievements, 40 and 40, and 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 the things that you're doing. The learning space is just amazing. Thank you.
1: Uh, thanks <laughs> for that. So you no, know, it's it's an exciting time to be in in this space, HR and learning, because we're at an interesting culmination of technology, uh, human psychology, yes, uh, uh, neuroscience and and fourth initial revolution so i think uh, this is the best place to be and, and my journey has been interesting so I, actually i start i'm a mechanical engineer by education uh. and uh, started in in it industry like most people in india who are engineers spend a couple of years doing it programming IT consulting. then finding my passion moved into hr and learning, uh, learning and space so i don't have any formal education in that space mm-hmm. i just i think uh, I was just following my passion, and, and when I look back, maybe I was as as Steve Jobs would say, "Stay hungry, stay foolish." I was young and foolish to do this. Maybe I wouldn't do it now, but but I'm happy to be where I am. It, it's it's exciting.
0: Yeah, yeah I think uh, even for me, the transition has been totally different. I am a non MBA guy, and. Mm-hmm. Um, when I talk to some people, when they ask questions like, does this a certification or degree or these things, does it matter? And I said, of course it matters, but uh, it should not be the first thing. I mean, you can, you can be from any career when you start your career. For example, education wise, yes, even I have been an engineer, right? electronics and communication engineer, but I worked in a software company and now running a firm, not very big company, but at least. I feel proud that I am consulting CXOs or VPs in digital transformation yes. without having my formal education in the marketing or digital transformation. It's all the small projects that you take, uh, try to engage with the people, uh, with the people and try to have a mindset of solving their problem. And then somehow hustling your way out to find a small, those little problems, which you many times try to ignore and sure. then find opportunity in that and see the bigger picture down the line. Right. No,
1: yeah, no, you're so true. I think what we need are problem solvers, creative yes. problem solvers and and the way technology and the whole industry globalization has shifted over the last couple of decades. Now it, we're in a very democratic place. So I mean, it doesn't matter what your background is, where you come from. Obviously, I'm not saying I'm not denying uh, good education is useful. It is very much useful, like uh, the skills I learned in my engineering, it's very interesting. One of my favorite topics in engineering was. Design engineering, and you, mm. that's where you talk about how do you build, you know, dams and trucks and buildings. And and what's interesting is now I use the same design principles, but for learning. So yeah. education is important, and it's your ability to apply in a cross-functional area is that's very important. And that's the need of the hour because with fourth industrial revolution and digital transformation, and again, what's happening with COVID things are accelerating and. The boundaries between industries are blurring so much. So, it's our ability to solve problems, and we need problems. No, we need uh, problem solvers, creative problem solvers. Like you are a great
0: example of that. So, yeah. Yes. In one of the previous podcasts, I had a guest, Matt Satcher. He is a founder and a, a virtual CMO for the mid sized companies. And he, his career transition has also happened from being a primary school English teacher to a mm. marketer. And yeah. the same thing he was bringing about when I said, how did you transition and what he's saying, the way you convince the people, it's language, English is a language you have to convince people. It's a communication, the way you put communication. So mm-hmm. he's saying the core communication skills and same thing I'm applying in also the marketing, because which is more about communication. So if you understand the human psychology, so, yeah. and I was just like, yeah, I mean, this person is So, I mean, no, no matter which background you come from, if you start looking at the human level, humans at the core are all the same and it's just applying the principles from wherever you come from and take that learning as a positive signal that I think everything in our life, like whatever we learn, it's always somewhere other way. It's just will add value or maybe we are ignoring, but it always helps.
1: That's true, and in fact, uh, I I really like the example of this virtual CMO because language is all about messaging. Marketing is Mm -hmm. about messaging, targeted messaging, and and it's interesting when you say most of what any of the fields we are doing now is is more human centered or should be more human centered. So marketing is more human centered. Entire UI UX digital space now it's it's all about now why do I love iPhone because it's so UI UX. The moment I open the iPhone box. It's so easy when a four year old kid can unpack it. And then now learning, we're trying to make it human centered. There's so much work happening in product design space around design thinking, which is being more, get to be more
0: human centered. So, so I agree with you. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So now let's start with you. I would just love to know what are your roles and responsibilities currently in CGI as a director of learning and development?
1: Sure. Thank you. So I, I work with CGI, which is one of the top five global IT and business consulting firms. We are headquartered based out of Canada. In, in Asia Pacific, we have a huge presence. We have a global delivery center. Through here, we actually serve all our clients globally, all the projects globally. So my primary responsibility is to create a culture of learning in the organization, work with leaders, managers, and members to ensure they have the right capabilities to serve our customers current needs and future needs. So it encompasses their technical skills, leadership skills, um, language skills, any capability which we need to build from a graduate to a senior leader mm-hmm. to ensure we, we serve our customer needs. And that's what I do primarily kind of, uh, you know, set creating the right learning culture. And and the, currently the types are interesting because digital transformation is driving things in a new way and, and how yes. do we keep our, uh, members employees future ready is one of the big challenges I'm currently dealing with.
0: Oh, okay. So as you're aware that I take the viewpoint that yes, every company should focus on basically providing the experience and uh, because people don't buy product and the services, they always buy experiences. So So in the current scenario, when the people have the the phone, mobile phones, they explore a lot. They have so many choices. So it becomes difficult for them to create the differentiation with, when they want to make the choices, right? Mm-hmm. And ultimately what plays a bigger role is like which company is providing the better experience. Yeah. And this experience is not only about offering the product or services. It is also about their perception about your brand. Meaning uh, at the human level, it could be maybe your employee also, like how you're treating your employee okay yes. how your what is your culture within your organization and digital transformation is the biggest sorry other way around this this customer experience uh, need has created definitely the further demand for the digital transformation a lot because customer putting at the center and the digital transformation initiative to support that right and one of the biggest element is definitely is employee their satisfaction learning and development plays a very greater role in in meeting the expectations, not only of their employees, but also the company's requirement, right? So it's always a win-win situation of both of them. Sure. But if you've seen the, but when I quickly gauge, right, the many companies, uh, they, some, at least the enterprises have their own learning and development initiatives, and they try to map a lot of such things. They have an agenda to bring in innovation in the company. They want to build a better loyalty of their employees by providing better experience, but still they face challenges in their initiatives. According to you, where actually the companies are going wrong with their learning and development initiatives?
1: Thank you. I think uh, that's a great question. So a couple of kind of introduce a lot of very now, the word experience you mentioned mm-hmm. is, is influenced a lot with design thinking itself earlier we never used to talk about that right we used to talk about roles and responsibilities the kind of work we're giving people now we're talking about the experience we're giving to people it's a, it's a very human-centered approach and i'll come to covid what's happening because of covid a little bit later but wanted to start by citing a little bit of research so primarily in india i mean it's mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's you no know, everywhere, but primarily in India, one of the top three employee value propositions, we call it EVP. So what will help you attract talent from market and what will help you retain talent in the organization? It's called employee value proposition. In India, consistently over the last many years, I've been tracking almost uh, easily a decade. Learning and development and career progression are one of the top three. It, it's very interesting. Sometimes this junior workforce, millennials, we talk about them. They're not worried about working for big brands or big names or big titles. Mm. Sometimes they're actually excited to work with startup because what they're looking for is exactly a learning progression and career progression. And, and, and that's one fundamental shift I wanted to mention. Therefore, it's very important we do that. Now, the second thing I wanted to say is, generally, you know, as organizations, we have our business priorities, client requests, so what's important to see is how are we able to bring those two together? So imagine a simple a two-by-two matrix, a simple two-by-two quadrant where you have on x-axis organization and individuals, on y-axis we have current and future needs. So basically what we're saying is as an organization, we have our current needs and future needs. The individuals who are employees have current and future needs. Mm-hmm. Now if we can find the sweet spot in the center, that's when we're addressing the, the whole experience bit. The second thing I would like to say is it's a very old concept uh, and when I say old it's been around for almost two to three decades there's this phrase you might have heard it's a famous hbr article published in um, I think uh, late 80s it's called the war of talent and there's mm-hmm. this huge debate the debate is sometimes rhetorical but that huge debate is is the market employee driven or is the market employer driven and mm-hmm. we have our ups and downs There there's sometimes where employer rules the market and there's sometimes where employee rules the market but the way we have been seeing shifts over the last decade or so it's primarily an employee driven market so yes I think the fundamental shift from a mindset from organizations is first we need to believe that it's actually an employee market not an employer market the moment you believe it's an employee market so you will start thinking about what experiences you have to give to them so that's one fundamental shift we need to make. Now coming to COVID, what's happening with COVID is let's take the simple, but very, you know, again, it's prevalent in some industries, non prevalent in others, but the whole work from home uh, phenomenon. And one of my uh, dear friends, you know, he articulates it really well. He said, there's so many challenges we were facing with COVID, but there was at least one thing which good, which came out of COVID. He says when COVID hit us one evening in April or March of this year, we, we went to bed in 2020, and we woke up in 2023. And what?: he meant, <laughs> yes. And what he meant by that was, from a digital transformation perspective, we have actually accelerated three years into the future. Yes, and see the, the adoption. So for example, very interesting statistics. So the total number of users on MS teams globally are larger than the size of countries itself. The total mm-hmm. number of users using Zoom uh, is larger than the population of uh, United States. So Ah. we're talking about virtual communities and virtual living, right? So this huge fundamental shift that happened overnight. Now, if you take the example of the whole virtual working and work from home, there's again uh, interesting research by, you know, one famous author. He says, uh, even after COVID recedes and things go back to normal, at least 35% of the workforce globally will will continue working from home. Yes, yes. And then, and then, from from a HR perspective, from a learning perspective, even from a business perspective, or a typical manager perspective, it's easy when all of your employees are either in office. It's easy to manage. You have a model. It's if they're in home also. You have a model. Now, now we need to have a solution for a hybrid model where some come to office, some stay at home. And 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 then I'm giving that example because that is also going to drive employee model, employee market, right? So the very fact you ask employees to come to office might disengage them. Mm. So, you know, you need to be creative, flexible and create those experiences. Again, now human interactions become experiences. Now, earlier we've taken it for granted, right? Training programs primarily were like classroom trainings. Now, now probably a training program in the post COVID world, uh, becomes a premium human interaction event. So again, we need to see how to create those experiences to engage members, but, but uh, the way if I can summarize, it has always been an employee market and digital transformation and uh, events like COVID have accelerated in that direction. And the sooner uh, organizations accept it, the sooner we'll be able to do what's good. And that's one of the big challenges I see in organizations facing.
0: Yeah, you rightly pointed, right. That, the, especially the digital transformation is changing a lot of things. Uh, in, in general conversations with the other leaders, as many of them actually asking the similar set of questions that, do you think that this working completely from home is a, is going to be permanent or, and uh, I, I also come with this viewpoint, yes, that uh, no employee actually wants to work completely from home, but. Maybe the companies will have to figure out a way in the middle where maybe we'll see down the line, another world where companies will say, okay, you're not required to come to the office every day. Maybe weekly once or twice is also fine, but they would be more okay with flexi working, I mean, wherever you work from the more outcome oriented, rather being in the office and doing, doing your work. And I know that not for everyone, it is possible to work from home because there are many industries where you have to be physically present. So that's fine. But yes, it's definitely, it's going to change. And uh, financially also, it's like, a, it's a more easier for the companies to adopt this model uh, because it saves a lot of money.
1: Yeah. I mean, think of huge organizations, the real estate space in a country like India, and especially places like Bangalore, where office commute is, is sponsored by the organization imagine the time saved and and again yeah again it depends on the people it depends on the organization depends on the industry also the many factors which play in but i think uh, in a post-covid world many new models will, will emerge like there's already a famous you know experiment around four week day program which is even experimented at Microsoft with some positive results. So mm. you want to see a lot of interesting models coming up and it's just a matter of picking what works well for us. And, and, and I think having an open mind is very important because what worked well in a pre COVID world might not work well during and after
0: COVID. So yeah. Mm. Okay. 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 So let's now focus on uh, learning and development. And sure. since that's the theme of the topic. So yeah. according to you, uh, how do you think that it is, how much it is important f- uh, that we focus on a better learning and development program uh, for the better e- employee experience and their, and their engagement?
1: No, it's, it's very much. In fact, I started by saying employee value proposition learning is one of the top three things. Hmm. Now the idea is how do we do it right way? Like, hmm. like I you know think of, I'll start with my own ex- example. Mm. I have accounts in practically every digital learning platform. Mm. EdX, Coursera, Udemy, you know, many more, many, many more podcasts and so many, but I'm staying digital learning platforms for a while. Personal accounts, Audible. Then as an organization, my organization and as all organizations, we provide so many platforms to employees. And sometimes what's interesting is even after that, most time spent by generally with most people, on learning or this informal learning, either it's up in a YouTube or a WhatsApp or some newsletters. Now the question is, we have all the resources, but how do we ensure we make it relevant for members from our organization perspective to bring them on board? So, a couple of things I've learned with my experience, and it's been hit and trial, like an agile way, right? Iterate, experiment, and re, you know, redo it, plan it, rate it, So, what we have learned, and this started almost five years back when I was working with. A financial major organization which is not the fortune 500 companies what we found was we moved from classroom training because this company had employees in 40 different countries so therefore mm-hmm. it's not easy to do classroom training so we moved to a blended online learning format where which could have components like do learning at your own pace uh, then we will do a series of webinars in between to engage you and then initially when we first launched a program it was six months long and once we took the feedback, uh, people said it was too long.
0: Hmm. Then
1: finally, after hit and trial came up with this rule of thumb that, around 20 hours of learning with, uh, in three months, 90 days, with two to three webinars thrown in is a perfect blended learning sample. At least we, that's how it worked in that organization. Hmm. And end of the year, when we started measuring ROI, what we found very interestingly was these long duration blended programs were participating in this long-duration blended programs. Their encounters were more. Their attrition were... So they were staying with the organization. They were learning more. They were performing better. And they were also staying longer with the organization. So that kind of cemented my approach of doing this blended long-duration programs over the last, you know, for which spanned for three to four months. And then that's what I've been experimenting, different contexts, different industries. And now after COVID, you see most organizations doing that and it's working
0: really well learning and development has got multiple dimensions when an employee actually joins an organization. Yes, they are required to add value in the organization. Yes. But when you rightly said, right, it's not basically the employer driven market, it's basically employee driven market. So every employee who actually join a company, they also want to see what is their, their career path, right? And how a company is basically helping them in growing their career, right? Definitely the L and D programs are one of such part where actually companies make an initiative to train their employees for the latest technologies available in the market and latest demand, right? But one thing that they are doing it uh, wrong, which is my personal belief is that it cannot be just like a spray and pepper, like in just having one LMS ready and dumping all the courses and thinking that you know the employees will come complete the courses on their own okay and believe that they should and they should come up with the new ideas for the organization it it cannot happen like this no so true and,
1: and the reason i'm smiling is i'll go back to my earlier comment as well said personally i have accounts in all the all the famous digital learning platforms out there but if you go and see my progression there it's not too great so yes yeah, <laughs> many things but only few areas i complete and that's that's the same thing with an average adult learner because the pedagogy of a, a school student is different to an adult learner adult learner yes. needs knowledge information skill in the moment of the requirement and they want that knowledge should be tied back to their earlier experience. So if it's not aligned to my earlier experience, the chances are that I'm going to deny it. And then ah. uh, I would like to see a uh, sequential progression of my journey. That's where you see a lot of gamification happening in learning these days. So I'd like to see the progression. So so there's a bit of uh, pedagogy right there, which we need to take care. But again, going back to my earlier experience, I spoke about what I did at a financial major. Now I'm building picking on that what I found was it's important to move to learning paths than just ah. learning courses. So rather than just, uh, I'll give an example. So rather than just calling an employee and say, Hey, here is a course on effective business, you know, how to write better emails. And then there's another course called on conflict management. There's another course on making impactful presentations. Those are skill based, right? What if we package them and said, become an effective presenter in your current role and package Mm. all the courses together so and and tied to their role tied to the requirements of their role from a proficiency level then it's an easy sell so the idea is to move to learning paths learning journeys they use we use different phrases and then also idea is to make it role based for example now taking the technology side of it let's say i'm a a manual tester and obviously my aspiration is to be an automated tester so what if somebody came to me and said, hey, Anil, here is a learning path which will take you from manual tester to automated tester. Also, here is a learning path will, will take you on a DevOps track. Then I'll be more excited because it it it, it is very specific, it's very focused mm-hmm. and it's also aligned to my career aspirations. So what I've seen is moving to uh, learning paths and role based learning paths in a blended learning is the way forward. And clearly uh, the whole industry is focusing on because of fourth industrial revolution, certain technologies. So AI, ML, blockchain, cybersecurity, IOT, uh, AR, VR, and and analytics is playing a big role. Automation is playing a big role. Depending on which organization you are, what type of clients you have, and what industry you serve, the mix would change. But primarily these are seven, eight technologies. And Mm. and, uh, the idea is to get started on the journey because it, it, from a client perspective, it keeps you ahead so that you're ready when clients uh, need it. And then from a member perspective, they are, you know, it meets their ambitions and aspirations. And a quick comment I'll make from a client perspective, you know, it's important we touch upon that too, because the way we as organizations respond, mm-hmm. is depends on how our clients are responding. Right. And digital transformation is changing their business. Mm. For example, in what's happening in IT industry and, and I've been in IT industry for 18 years is. Earlier, the turnaround time to give an RFP or a proposal for a bid or whatever used to be one month, two months, six weeks, eight weeks or longer. Now they actually want stuff in two weeks, three weeks because they are also accelerating in an agile way. So agile is the way forward. So even from a methodology, not just what we do, people are moving to an agile way. And therefore, we need to find shorter, you know, life cycle, shorter you know, uh, time cycle, learning opportunities. We can't say, I can't go back to my business and say, give me six months. I'll keep somebody ready in this. The maximum mm. I can say is give me six weeks, right? So, mm. and that's where getting started ahead, ahead of time, even before the demand hits us, is a big, big need. And and this is where I'll quote the research from World Economic Forum, which is available in the free domain for everyone. Uh, mm. The big shift between upskilling, which we have been doing for a long time, which is in a same technology, same role, a, a, an incremental learning compared to reskilling, which is actually skilling them on the new areas. Is uh, to reskill a, an employee on a new technology. Mm-hmm. You know, they estimate around 110 days of training.
0: Mm.
1: They say training, not just training, but training, practice, hands-on, and everything. So I only have uh, maybe what uh, 200 days of working days for an employee, and, and 110 goes into reskilling right so I can't wake up tomorrow and say I want to reskill workforce ready in two weeks or three months. It's actually a two to three year project. You need mm. to start investing mm. in reskilling almost two to three years ahead of time and the companies which are doing it early are already mm-hmm. seeing the benefits.
0: Mm. Right, right. Now you you made a very valid point here the 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 things the way the things are moving ahead. Okay. Now let's now pick up your experience right uh, what was the one the one lnd program you led so far in your career maybe it could be from the cgi or the previous organization that you are very proud of anil and what were your learnings from what you wanted to share what you want to basically share with other leaders thank you, thank you.
1: So I'll actually pick two if it's okay with you. <laughs> no, no, of course, of <laughs> Because course. I mentioned I'm like, really passionate about <laughs> these two. So, so the same financial major I mentioned, I worked there between 2013 to 2017. Uh-huh. And we, in 2017, we actually became number one in the world in London. So um, mm. I'm really proud about that moment. There are many awards and recognitions I've received. My operations have received the companies i worked for. But this one has a very special place in my heart because... We became number one in learning in the world, and mm. and uh, the reason we could do it was I, I'll tell you clearly lay out the the problem problem statement and how we tackled it. Acted. Yes, yes, yes. So <coughs> almost sixty to seventy percent of our workforce were millennials, mm. and they were not happy with the way we had, we were doing performance management because performance management we. It's not an end of year in activity, right? It's a year long activity. Look at That's people. you're it's talking
0: about, about working performance or a learning performance activity. Uh, work
1: just working performance, like typically companies have performance management system where you hmm. set goals for people and review the goals, give them the ratings and everything. So from a larger talent perspective, so that was a big you know feedback that they're not happy because millennials. And then what we did was we moved from an annual per, uh, goal setting and performance management. To a quarterly based goal setting, mm-hmm. which uh, uh, again, from an IT organization or product development companies, they use the terms OKRs, objectives and key results, quarterly ones. So we made that huge fundamental shift, which meant changing the culture of the organization, getting our leaders ready to not just do it once a year, but set quarterly goals with team members, and along with quarterly goals, there were development goals every quarter, mm. and 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 in every quarter there was also coaching conversation when I'm. Uh, giving feedback to my team member on their last quarter performance, the focus was more on feed forward. So quickly close the loop on how the last quarter went, but focus more on what to do next one quarter. So it was more feed forward than feed backward. And then uh, the other piece was making it a coaching conversation and every quarter pick a development goal. Hmm. So it was a huge initiative because we implemented it in, uh, uh, 40 countries in five different languages. And learning and uh, change, change management was a big part of the whole process. when I was leading that piece. So, and, and we've made a, f- a significant shift. So just two quarters into, into the new implementation, the employee engagement, the percentage of members who are disengaged reduced by eight to nine no, percent. That's, that's a, a big, big number, number for an enterprise. very big number. Yes. And, and that's a huge, it has huge implications because engagement has direct correlation to productivity and therefore to revenue and everything. So, uh, so that was a problem statement and what we achieved, but doing that meant changing the mind shift of our leaders. Yes. So first we worked with our top 300 leaders to train them on what skills they need to do this new performance management. And after we trained our top 300 leaders, we did that for 6 months and then we used the top 300 leaders to train the next 2000 managers yes and then use the managers to train all members so we did a did a cascading approach and it's a very uh, and finally it culminated in the organization being number one in the world but i'm really happy because it's not just training happening in isolation training integrated it into a talent change culture change and eventually the whole
0: business is run the operation. Did you get a chance to actually take the feedback of the employees and better suggestions and how have been their experiences so far when you changed the model of uh, taking the feedback quarterly? Very much, uh,
1: Very much. In fact, feedback was a big part of the overall process. So the way we started the initiative was we take feedbacks at various levels, but we also take feedback in Net Promoter Score and we call it ENPS, Employee Net Promoter Score. So when we first took feedback on the performance management system, the legacy one, that Net Promoter Score was in, in negative. It was in minus. <laughs> yeah. And then after two quarters, uh, when we uh, take, took Net Promoter Score again, it jumped into like in uh, double digits in positive. So the shift was huge from negative to positive. Mm. So that's what we do as part of, as part of learning evaluation, we call it metrics and measurement for learning. Uh, there are uh, uh, three levels of feedback. You take one is called effectiveness, which is how effective is our learning or talent implementation. Second is uh, how efficient it is. Effect, there's effectiveness measures there are efficiency measures. Then their business outcomes, mm. it's important to have all the three because you know, some of the changes have lead indicators, some have lag indicators. So you're not going to see the change immediately today. Change is going to come in the future. So you need to have some lead indicators like good feedback scores on a training or good feedback score on peers tells me that in next one or two quarters, it's going to actually have real business impact through attrition, performance, increase in promotion or engagement scores. And you can find a coordination. So that's what we pretty much do in most of the major okay. uh,
0: implementations. Wonderful, wonderful. Okay, so we did not cover the second one. You were talking about uh, yes, yeah, <laughs> second sure. one. I'm I'm, I'm excited <laughs> yeah. about the second one. Yeah, uh, it's it's in my
1: current organization, and I'm really excited CGI. about this because yes, it's at CGI. It's it's around digital transformation. Hmm. So it's about creating this uh, workforce for the future, and uh, you know we started on the reskilling journey a couple of years back, mm-hmm. but what we did over the last 12 to 15 months has been exciting because just as we started the whole conversation we had learning platforms where we had reskilling topics so on and so forth Mm -hmm. but what we did was we started curating those learning paths which we didn't do before Mm -hmm. and then we had this idea saying why don't we do a a foundational program Mm -hmm. which brings everybody up to the same baseline and we called it a digital awareness program so mm. it meant orientation on the 10 emerging technologies and two methodologies, agile and DevOps, plus 10, the usual sub suspects like AIML, mm. analytics, blockchain, IoT, uh, AR, VR, and all those topics. And we said, let's do a program where we bring, you know, everybody up to a common baseline. Mm. Once they finish this program, they yeah. can choose the
0: tracks and branch, out, branch out after
1: is an AI track or ML track
0: mm-hmm.
1: and we collaborated with various learning platforms and set up a, a five-month learning program which, which has a learning duration of around uh, 40 hours mm-hmm. and as we speak thousands of our members have completed the program and are moving ahead in the learning journey so that's what I'm really excited about and uh, for this specific program the, the netron score is looking really high around uh, you know uh, 30s 32s and uh, thousands of our members have finished the foundation course and and what's interesting is it happened most of it happened during covid mm. so we we designed the whole program kept it ready but we wanted to launch it in the month of april that was the original plan Then covid happened so we were in two minds you know so much of effort went for so many months People are distracted, they're settling down, working from home. We don't know if they'll do it or not, but then Did we you took get the a risk chance to actually, and I think that's the best risk I would take it in my career. Mm-hmm. You know, people have just taken on the learning and then completed it in huge, huge. It's, it's a huge phenomenon. So I'm really excited because as I earlier mentioned, you know, if you have to build your uh, workforce, basically a workforce for the future, it's a multi-year initiative. So. Uh, For me, 2020 was a year of laying the foundation Mm -hmm. and in 2021 and beyond, we could really accelerate, you know, in in further tracks. So this was a year of foundation and I'm really excited because I've never done anything in this broad scale with thousands Mm -hmm. of members, in 12 technologies, in in times like this, in times like COVID. And, you know, that's why it's it's, uh, something I'm really proud of.
0: So what do you think that this, uh, what prompted this high jump in net promoter score for this initiative, which was not the case with the earlier programs, you think, according to you, sorry.
1: Yeah, no, I think that's a good, very good question. So one is obviously it's a purely reskilling program. So it's completely aligned to the aspirations of our members. Of the members. They know that this is setting them up for working in the new technologies. I think the second one, this is again, my speculation is my, you know, just my opinion of, in a in a COVID times where there's so many distractions we all have, right? I think learning is not just learning as actually learning is a tool for employee engagement also. Mm, you know yes you know it, it, I feel distract think of an average employee who takes in commute to office. I when I, when I when I drive to office it takes at least one to one and a half hour one way. So I've saved three hours of commute and now the same three hours I'm working from home, either I can stay distracted or even assume I'm distracted. What if I took one hour out of the three hours and just to stay away from distraction or even the stress of the work or stress of working from home, I just focused on learning. So I'm not just learning, but actually learning is engaging me, stay keeping me connected with the organization and and, and digital platform adoption has skyrocketed. Mm -hmm. Uh, Our adoption has gone really, really up to an extent, our our primary uh, digital learning platform from April till now, we had, over 300,000 bits badges downloaded. So you can see how, so I think uh, positioning, learning, not just for learning, but learning as a way of engagement mm-hmm. is what shot up the NPS plus obviously the whole theme around reskilling because um, as an average employee, I'm keeping myself ready for the future. So, yeah, mm.
0: I mean, that's wonderful to hear. So, so what I get from this, the, these two use cases that in this time, this COVID time, COVID nineteen situation, where many bigger organizations are trying to be more conservative in their investments. You took a bold step in convincing the stakeholders and decision makers that hey, this is the time actually to invest and invest in the talent for the future time. And you also tried to understand the psychology of these employees. That what kind of skills they would prefer to learn so that you map these skills with their career ambition and also the experience they are coming from. And then try to create those learning paths and programs and infuse it in your content with the mindset of creating better engagement and experience. So this is, this is definitely, you know, I would say amazing to hear. If somebody is actually putting that kind of thought and then Also, of course, if, if in case I'm not wrong, you must have used the technology to see how the engagement is going on and and how you can put uh, the things in place so that you can improve further. So without that, it cannot happen. That's amazing to know. So if I have to ask you uh, whether you, like, if you have to ensure whether in the CGI or in general, when you take the programs for the employees or before and after, how do you take basically? How do you make sure that the expectations are met before and after? I think you have already answered this, but then I wanted to be more specific uh, with this questions aligned. That okay, you are running a program. So before that and after that, how do you make sure that employees further stay connected with the program and then try to use that skill in actual? That's
1: true. I mean, that's a great question because that's one of the big challenges with, you know, with, with learning, because there's this famous, you know, uh, there's this famous joke in marketing circles, I think, which can be applied in learning also. Then I'll finish with another one. So it says marketing, I goes to the CMO and says, uh, we, we just finished a focus group. What we found was 50% of our marketing investment has gone waste 50% made its impact. And that's the good news. And the boss asks, then what's the bad news? He says, the bad news is we don't know which is what. <laughs> and where it is coming from from. so same as with learning we can do so much of in learning but roi you know uh, that's important so so some of things again in my experience uh, again i'll tie it back to technology also i think the the moment you move to learning paths and role-based learning paths, uh, then you're making the the journey completely attuned to the learning so Mm -hmm. it's not just knowledge focused yeah. It's not just skill-focused, it's competency-focused. Hmm. And what's happening now, what it means is from, our, again, various uh, our partner, you know, an internal and external partner partnerships, practice labs are a big part of what we do. Hmm. So every learning, technical training, from a technical training perspective, they actually get practice labs to do hands-on pieces. Then we use our internal Git platforms to post it, drive a community of, you know, practice where people give each other feedback. So that's a big one and generally uh, from a you know from a general theme ensuring your managers have coaching and mentoring skills are really important because i can i can learn so much in classroom digital or virtual and come back but i only get up, uh, opportunity to learn it on the job if my manager supports me so manager as an accountability partner in learning mm-hmm. and creating that contract between manager and member through processes and tools is very critical and also coaching skills from manager mm. uh, inf- reinforces that yes. and 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 different programs we do it differently for for uh, hardcore technical skills we do a pre-assessment where we do knowledge plus skill assessment of coding and we do a post assessment after the training again knowledge and coding and sometimes we do it creatively by doing hackathons and so on and so forth but you can actually see the delta shift between pre and post That's what we do for technical trainings for uh, behavioral and leadership trainings, we use uh, famous tools like 360. Very recently we rolled out 360 feedback to all of our managers and we do that once a year, so we actually know how much of manager competence has increased over the last 12 months. So there are different ways to do it, but, but you're right, as they say, begin with the end in mind, always begin, begin with, know, what impact you're trying to make and build that, that program around that metric. So since I started the response with the marketing joke, I'll end one with the learning one, and 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 so this is a conversation between the CEO and the CLO, the Chief Learning Officer, and the CEO. And then so so the CEO so the CLO goes to the CEO and says, "This is the budget I need for the organization for this year." So the CEO says, "What if I agree on all these budgets? You go and implement the program, but what if the employee?" Take up all the learning and leave the organization. Uh, yeah, that's a yeah. common question and yeah. a fear among many many people. Yeah, yes.
0: many organizations. Yeah,
1: right. that's what the CEO asks. Then the CLS says that's a valid possibility. But what if they, we don't train them and they stay with the organization? Correct. Which is more? Which is a bigger
0: risk? Yes. Yes. Absolutely <laughs> so, true. Yeah.
1: So I think I would end with that. But I think uh, again, again, from a larger context, uh, another perspective I want to bring it is. You know, we've been talking about how technology, especially fourth industrial revolution, is a big, is democratizing skills to an extent that now whoever is exceptionally good at these skills. Now, you know this better, you're an entrepreneur, so you know, there's so many uh, entrepreneur hubs growing all over the world, like be it Israel, be it, you know, Indonesia, Philippines. Competition can come from anywhere. So yes. and for me, the emerging skills are a great equalizer from a democracy perspective. So anybody from anywhere in the world, like Malta, Philippines, Bangladesh can just compete for a project you are competing from here. So, yes. And then if you don't keep that in mind, we might, you know, we might just lose the day. So from that perspective, active focus on reskilling, active focusing on, I would use the word meta skill, which is learning to learn. You know learning agility, building that curiosity in people would actually help our organizations, help the industry and help the country also, you know, mm. to stay ahead of the curve. Yeah. That's what I would say.
0: Okay. Okay. Anil, now one last question, and then maybe we'll conclude this podcast. Is that how do you actually identify the gaps in the learning and development programs? and then take the initiative to invest in the technology for improving the uh, your programs. What's your thoughts?
1: Yeah. Thank you. It's wow. a, it's a, you know, it's an ongoing and uh, multifaceted process. Mm-hmm. So again, I'll start from clients itself because we should always start from clients. So, you know, in my current organization CGI, just like all other organizations, we do a lot of customer interviews, both CEOs and uh, CIOs and we hear from them how they're seeing that industry landscape shifting and most importantly how what are their plans on digital transformation for next one to three years and that helps us set our larger strategy Mm -hmm. of how can we help our clients get there and that would drive our larger reskilling needs Mm -hmm. so it's a very that's one very top-down approach from a reskilling perspective Mm -hmm. future perspective And then uh, we go to our managers and leaders and ask them a very near term perspective saying in the current projects Mm -hmm. and the future pipeline of projects, what are the performance needs and what are the future pipeline needs Mm -hmm. that gives us another view, which is more, let's say three to six months, three to nine months. Uh, That's the second way we uh, get the inputs. The third piece we do is we actually go to members and Mm -hmm. say, uh, what are your performance? What are your learning requirements based on your current performance? What are your aspirations? What is your upskilling need and reskilling need? And then obviously we put all this data together, apply a bit of analytics, look at the history for the last two to three years, and then come up with the uh, you know learning strategies. Some of them are quarterly strategies, some are annual strategies, some are on demand. so it's it's a combination of many things and therefore technology plays a big role, like for example, When I had to roll out a training needs assessment for 1,000 managers and 15,000 members, Mm -hmm. obviously I need technology, I need highly customized tool which can kind of do the survey, which which has multiple decision options, breakouts, branching, and then analytics side of data is also very important. So, and and then these days, looking at text sentiment analysis, there's thousands of uh, fields of data we have, free text also coming from performance management, learning feedback, so we started doing some of those uh, tech sentiment analysis and some very interesting results we're finding there. So technology is at the, you know, I, I will I will kind of summarize it this way. Two fundamental shifts, three fundamental shifts as a learning professional I've mm-hmm. seen happening over the last one to two years and accelerating in last six months. First is shift from creating content to curating content. Yeah, There's already so much good content out there. So much there.
0: content is there. Yeah? Yes. I
1: don't have to... Create. I just have to curate it to the context and the right role. That's a big skill. And and ninety percent of design I've done in the last one year has been only curation. And I haven't done any new stuff. That's one fundamental shift. The second fundamental shift is think as a learning technologist. How can LXP help you? How can LMS help you? How can analytics help you? How can data help you? That's the second piece. And I say, you know think like a learning technologist even even before they think about it, right? So. Try to automate, automate. And and, um, and it's kind of a joke, but one of the leaders who's my mentor says these words and they're very interesting. So he says, the best way to get more more work done, in which is on your plate is the two options, either delegate it or automate it. Mm. And it's so right, right? Yes. So if it's a high value work, delegate to one of your team members so that they can learn and grow. Yes. If it's not high value, it's business as usual, automate it. And I'm taking it very seriously because that's the best advice I've ever got. Just like how in business side, we're doing RPA and automation. That's my second big takeaway. The third big takeaway personally for me as a learning professional is, uh, you know, the big fundamental shift from learning from experience through learning from others. I can't solve all the problems together. We are operating in, you know, what I call an unknown, unknown zone. It's not a known zone. So I don't have all the answers and therefore. I'm right here talking to you to learn from you. I'm in various forums, talking from others, sharing my experience, learning from their experience. So, uh, you know, actually thinking from an ecosystem perspective, which is beyond the boundaries of an organization. Mm -hmm. Those are my three fundamental shifts, at least for me in the last one to two years.
0: Wow. It was so interesting to talk to you. We covered a lot of things. We got your perspective about what do you think that uh, learning... And development program can do for a better experience of your employees and where the gaps are, what actually industry is not doing or doing it wrong. In fact, we also got to know about some of your in- previous initiatives and the work that you are very much proud about. And in between, you shared a lot of jokes, <laughs> which we all <laughs> remember, right? <laughs> uh, we got to know about that. What is that uh, your thinking is. Before rolling out the program, learning programs, and after you roll out the program, then how you try to think for the end goal so that ultimately the goals are achieved. And internally, what is your thinking behind taking the initiative for for improving the outcome using technology? So I I think it was it was a great conversation, Anil. And what I can say that it is definitely my pleasure that i had you on this show
1: thank you thanks a lot for inviting me thank you so much
0: thank you for listening to the experience business podcast in case you don't miss the subsequent episodes please do subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast application or if you are watching us on the youtube then you can also subscribe to us on the youtube channel you can also visit us for the more updates on our website www.pritpo.com forward slash podcasts And if you are liking our podcast or have any feedback, please rate us, give your feedback on the Apple podcast or you can visit our YouTube channel, like us and give the feedback over there.